Hello and welcome to the Beyond Resilience Life podcast, a show about life adversity, how to overcome it and transform your life. This is your host, Dr. Lidiana Garcia, a licensed psychologist in Los Angeles, California. And even though my hope is to deliver information that can be helpful for you to overcome adversity and transform your life, it is not meant to be a substitute for being diagnosed and treated by a licensed mental health, medical, and related professional. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Beyond Resilience Live. Today, I have the honor and privilege to present to you one good dear friend. Her name is Rosalia Rivera, and today what we're going to talk is about the importance of teaching consent to children. And you might be like, children, teaching consent, isn't that later on? And let me tell you, I wanted to put this in the zero to five because the earlier we learn about it, the earliest we start teaching about it, then the easiest would be like, don't wait. A lot of people feel like, and they tell me like, no, that's too early when they're like eight, nine. No, start early. So I'm so happy in how I really appreciated preventing sexual abuse and all of that. So I am so happy to have you here, Rosalia. So you know me, I can keep on going, but let me <laughs> thank you for, for coming here. Oh, thank you so much for inviting me. And this topic is, of course, very dear and near to me. And it's what I do. So thank you for having me. Yeah. So if you can tell us a little bit about you, your work, and what you love the most about it. Sure. So I am a consent educator and a sexual literacy advocate. And essentially what that means is that I help parents. I specifically work with survivor parents, but this information is for really all parents. But I work with uh, parents to teach them how to educate their kids, their families on body safety, boundaries, and consent so that they can prevent abuse and break cycles. This is so, so important. Mm -hmm. And trigger, how do you say trigger that? Warning. Trigger warning. That's the word. <laughs> like, this is an episode that we're going to talk about survivor sexual abuse and similar content. So is that something that is hard for you? Just know like you can pause it and listen it later or something, but just wanted to give that trigger warning. Yes. Preventing that is so, so important. So love your work. So what is consent-based parenting? How do you define that? So consent-based parenting, and this is a great question because a lot of people think you just learn some information and then you teach it to your kid. But consent parenting is actually a whole way of thinking of parenting, of making this really big shift of how we interact with our kids. So it's actually more than just teaching kids that your body belongs to you. It's actually implementing it in your day-to-day -day activities and interactions with your kids. So a really simple example would be that instead of saying to a two-year-old, for example, come here, I need to brush your hair. We have to get ready for school. Come here so I can brush your hair you would then turn it into a question, a request of permission to the child to, can I brush your hair? You know, we need to get ready for school. Can you please come here so I can brush your hair? Now, that seems like a really simple little shift. But when you start to apply that to all areas of your parenting, you start to see that it really is a whole different way of thinking where we're not implementing our control over them and their autonomy, their physical selves. And we are giving them the space to, to practice their autonomy, to be able to say yes or no to something and to learn how to be able to establish those boundaries. So even from as young as two, they can learn to start doing that. So there's a whole shift that happens and that's just one area. There's so many others, but that's the basic framework that begins the consent conversation. 
Wow, yes, it's so important because what I'm hearing you say is not only about what we say, but it's on our daily behaviors and how we, yeah, how we behave with them and how do we live that on a daily basis? Because mm -hmm. a lot of people feel like it's just, let me get a book so I can read it. <laughs> that would be the easiest, but it's not about what you say. It's what you do. Hmm. Exactly, exactly. And because kids learn by example, and the more we practice it, the more it becomes ingrained and their behavior starts to reflect that they understand that their body does belong to them. It's not just when they get to a certain age, they start to get this education. And it's really important for kids, especially if they're going to daycares, if they're going to be going out of the home very early, to be able to start with that sense of empowerment over their bodies. Yeah, so, so important. Okay, so why is it important to teach consent to children? Yeah, so there's a couple of reasons. One is, of course, for body safety. As they are really young, they learn to understand their boundaries so that they have the ability to uphold them. You know, if somebody tries to cross their boundaries, they know how to say no, how to communicate that they don't want something done to them or with them. And so, number one, it's a body safety issue. So children are the most vulnerable. We look at the statistics and it's actually the highest percentage of sexual assault is to children. So the more that we can empower them, the better chances that they have to prevent a situation or if a situation happens, for them to be able to tell someone in, you know, in their trusted safety network, right, who can help prevent that from happening again. So that's one aspect of it. But the other aspect of it is that it also educates them on boundaries for others. So as they're growing up, they understand how to respect the boundaries of others as well. So regardless of gender, it's important that we are teaching what autonomy is and how it needs to be respected so that it can prevent future situations in relationships. And it teaches children what healthy relationships are. So there's the body safety piece, but then there's also the understanding of what a healthy relationship is as they get older and how to respect within those relationships everyone's boundaries. Mm, I love this because we're not only preventing for them, but also for the future when they mm -hmm. into relationships. And for a parent that might think, but I'm monitoring, I'm monitoring it all. Like I don't let my kid be with strangers or be with like family members by themselves. Isn't that enough? What would you say to that? Yeah. Well, there's two parts of it. And that's actually a very popular thinking, especially among survivor parents. That's what my, my mom was like. She was a survivor as well. And unfortunately, there's two issues with it. One is that you can't always be there. You're not at the child's school. You don't know what's going on there. You're not teaching them how to be empowered. So you're not giving them skills and tools for when they're not with you because you're not with them 24-7 as much as you think you, you can be. And then as they get older, they're going off into the world and you can't always be there. And the more that you protect or the more that you try to prevent the child from having interactions with the world, the more rebellious they're going to get as they get older and want to seek out. And because you haven't equipped them with the tools, you're going to send them out into the world without the ability to protect themselves, essentially. Yeah. I've seen this so often with the parents that I've worked. And it's so sad when then something happens and then the parents go through this whole guilt trip of, oh my God, it was my fault. And they usually go more like, I should have prevent them more from doing. And it's actually not that. I love how you talk about it's giving them, equipping them with what they need. Mm -hmm. So that way they can do it on their own. So yes. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I can speak from experience because that's what happened with me. And, you know, when I was 17, I was state raped and I just didn't know that I had the right to say no. I didn't know that consent could be withdrawn. I didn't know all of these things that just I kept thinking were my fault or that I put myself in that position. And then because of the way that, you know, I had quote unquote disobeyed my mom, I was afraid to tell her what happened. So it wasn't something that I ever reported because of it. So there's a lot of ways that you're setting them up for potential abuse because of it. So instead of protecting them, you're actually putting them in higher possibility of danger because they are not prepared. Yes. And the case that came to my mind when I was thinking of that, it happened at 18 also. So I think that's also bringing that importance that even though you might be like a helicopter parent or whatever, you know, all these terms mm-hmm. in terms of like until they're 17, 18, there will be a time that they will leave. Yep. And there's a lot that happens about rape, date rape around that age, mm-hmm. 17 to like in the 20s. Yeah. 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 And there's a, I mean, there's even February, for example, has now been Teen Dating Violence Awareness Month. Because again, kids aren't being taught about respecting both physical, mental, emotional, physical, sexual boundaries. And so when they get into relationships as teenagers, because they have been taught this all the way through, they don't understand how to respect someone else and have a healthy relationship. So it's so important to start early and to make it ongoing, not just you know once or twice here and there every few years. It's really about weaving this into the fabric of your parenting style. Yeah. And what are some of the factors that get in the way for parents that are trying to teach this to their children? A lot of times it's fear of how to have these talks. If you came from a home where you weren't taught this yourself, it's very hard to know where to start because you have no example to follow from. So especially if you come from a home where It was a taboo topic to talk about sex or sexuality. It was a taboo topic to even think about dating because you're not supposed to do that until you're married. Or So there's a lot of fear about how to even have these conversations. And then what do you even say when you have these conversations? So not having the tools. And a lot of it is just learning how to regulate your emotions yourself. Because if you have had a lot of trauma in your life, it can bring up a lot. So it's about learning how to cope with your triggers. If you haven't stepped into your own healing journey as a survivor, there's a lot that you need help or support or guidance with. So it's a lot of it is just fear on how to get started and then what to do when you hit those roads or speed bumps of, you know, triggers. So I would always recommend to learn how to do self-regulation strategies, you know, meditation, breathing exercises. There's a lot online. I mean, your program is amazing for that. And I recommend to any parent who hasn't disclosed or hasn't healed that they consider where they're most comfortable with starting on that journey and then arming themselves with some tools. In my program, I always recommend books and things like that. So you can start slow, but you have to start. Yeah. And then if we weave into it, how taboo it is and how the conversation, because I I'm, did not go through any kind of abuse or sexual abuse when I was a child. Or, and I remember still my parents, I mean, I don't know if my mom or my grandma, I always have suspicions that my, probably my grandma, but 
the way that they taught me, I remember my grandpa bought a book about how the kids come and, you know, and this whole thing. And it was like a very awkward conversation one time and that's it. And a lot of parents share that experience of being like, oh my God, this is so awkward. Or then the kids go like, I don't want to talk about it. And so how do you recommend starting that conversation? Sure. Well, it depends on the age group, right? You want to do it in an age appropriate way. It really does depend where you want to start. You know, if your child is three, you can just start talking about body parts and then it evolves. And I always talk about using what's called the scaffolding method, which is where you you really start with the very basics. And that you want to, if you haven't started and your child is now seven and you realize I haven't even begun, you can always start from the beginning, which is to talk about the very basics of our sexuality, which are the proper names for genitals and what they are, and really trying to normalize the conversation without putting our own beliefs on top of it. Even just the simple act of explaining what our genitals are in the same way that you would an arm or an elbow or an ear is really important because it takes the stigma away from it removes the charge of sexuality from it and normalizes it. And it also creates body positivity. There's a lot of important parts, uh, pieces to that conversation. So it can start with the very basics and then you keep adding to it as your child develops. So again, that's the beauty of having books because it helps you, gives you the language. It gives you the ability to be more comfortable with having the conversation. You can read the book, then talk about what you read, then let them ask you more questions and it evolves from there. So I would say start with the very basics and then develop it from there, depending on their age. If they're already, you know, eight or nine, you can get into more starting with the basics. So, and you'll realize that you get more comfortable with it and it's not that bad. Everybody kind of has this fear of having the talk, but you don't have to have that talk yet. It's, it's really about evolving into it and making all of the conversations normalized. There's not, you know, nobody, kids don't have shame. It's actually something that we have and we built it into the conversation. So if we can be mindful to normalize it and to not add shame to it, that's all part of that process of sometimes we need to take a deep breath and calm our nervous system before we have the conversation so that when we step into it, we don't show them that we're anxious because kids can sense those things, right? So just taking those kinds of steps, it can go slow. You can do one book a month. If you're feeling like, you know, you're really ready to step into it, you can add it every two weeks until you realize that, okay, this isn't so bad. And this is actually really starting to make changes. And I can see my child is being more empowered. And when you see those changes, that's when it gets so exciting because you realize, wait a minute, this isn't so bad. I am empowering them. I can see that they're starting to really feel in control of who they are and their autonomy. And that feeling of seeing that is worth gold. Like it's just to see them empowered is amazing. So take it slow if you need to, but just start with some basic stuff. Mm, So important. And in terms of like zero to five, what would be some skills that would help to start this? Because I know you mentioned like calling the genitals but the actual name not all these weird names that people create (laughs) but other kind of and you know more about in terms of the consent how how can parents start doing that with a toddler preschooler even an infant Mm -hmm. with infants 
this is a fantastic, I love that you're bringing that up because people think that it has to start once they're verbal, but it doesn't. You can actually start teaching consent as soon as your child is born. And the way that you do that is by communicating what you're doing with intention. So you want to let them know, okay, I need to change your diaper now. It may seem a little bit weird when you do it because you're like, does my child even understand? But they understand the tone of your voice. They understand your intention. They understand that you're speaking to them before you even touch them, right? So that just sets up that communication to start with. And so that as they get older, they, that becomes their norm. They expect someone to speak to them before touching. And then once they become verbal, you explain to them that this is important for them to know that they have a right to be asked first and not to just have somebody touch them when they don't want to. And because they've already been set up for that, basically since day one, they will understand it much more clearly than if you start later. However, even if you do start later, what I recommend is once your child is verbal, to start having a little conversation with them to say, I want to make sure that you understand your body is yours. These are things that we talk about and that I always ask you and you can always say no. And, you know, so those kinds of basic things. There are little books, like a, there's a book called C is for Consent. It's a really great book. It doesn't have a lot of text or writing. You know, as long as they can see, there's so much language and communication that happens before we even speak. So as long as you start with those fundamentals and then you can dive into books more and more, you know, those are really great starting points. Mm. And one question that probably a lot of parents might, you know, now that we're talking about this, when toddlers start exploring themselves and all that, how do you recommend them to communicate based on this consent framework? So are you talking about exploring their own bodies? Yes. Yeah. So it's really important. And this is, again, why it's critical that we teach what the correct anatomical names are, because then you can explain, for example, my children understand what an erection is, and they understand that it's a normal body function. There's nothing shameful about it. If it's something that they feel that they need to explore, they can do so in the privacy of their room, but it's not something that they should do with anyone else. It's not something that they should be doing in public. So there are boundaries to those aspects. And so, again, it's really just to normalize that that's something that is for them. It's a part of their body that is for them to enjoy, but it's really for them. So we always emphasize that it's a private exploration. Again, even with, uh, with females, you can explain what the clitoris is and what it does and that they have one and they're allowed to explore it. But again, private and not in public and only with themselves. So I think it's important that, again, these are normalized conversations. If someone has experienced abuse because of something like that, it may be triggering. And so this is where you want to have additional help in talking about it. So there's great videos, for example, like there's a video from amaze.org that talks about body parts and private parts and privacy and, and all those kinds of things. So if you feel like you can't just yet talk about that, but you know it's an important part, then there's other ways that you can get the tools to explain it to them. Yeah, it's so important. I've started with implementing because I have a preschooler, four and a half. And first I thought it was going to be this conversation so awkward because I was, you know, my parents never had that with me. I'm from Puerto Rico and we don't, mm -hmm. you know, they don't talk about mm -hmm. that. I kept myself calm and it was like, 
many times we might, as you're hearing this, if you're a new parent or pregnant, you might be like, oh my God, but it's not, you know, the more that we keep thinking in our heads how hard it would be, it might not be that way, the more you normalize it. And of course, I was grounded before and I've read about this and I learned about this. So that's another big important piece, but yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it's, it's so important, particularly again, for that shame piece. Like we don't want to raise kids that have any kind of shame against their own bodies. That's a really big part of consent building because in the long run, when there is grooming, predatory behavior, that if a predator sees that a child has low body image, low self-esteem, that's actually something that they target. So the more that we can help our children have body positive perspectives of themselves and self-image, the less they become a target to others. And also it just reinforces the sense of self physically and mentally. Yeah. And many parents think like if a child says no or something that that's still not going to help them, but in many cases it will because somebody that is grooming is going to look for someone that might not say anything because they might just not want to do it one time. They might want to do it more than one time. So yeah. 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 Oh my God. This is such a very important topic and I feel like we've gone and we've talk a little bit about many other things also included that are part of it. In terms of resources, I know you mentioned C's for Consent and the website amaze.org. I know you have a lot of great books, and <laughs> but what would be like your top books for zero to five eight or for parents to get educated at the beginning? Yeah, there's one book that I highly recommend for any parent and it's called Just Say No, I believe is what it's called. I'm going to double check that and I'll give you that for the show notes if yeah. you want. Mm-hmm. But it's by Kimberly King is, is the author. And that one really dives into aspects of what things are like, for example, uh, threats, bribes, things that we don't tend to think about. We think that it's a really straightforward process or that it's just strangers. But a lot of times it's people that they know, friends, someone that they trust, that they like. So it's really important to educate kids on what those other aspects are, bribes, threats, just inappropriate behavior, right? So that book is a really great starter book. I recommend that to to everyone. There's another really great book that is important for more of like sex education and body awareness. And that one is called It's Not the Stork. And that one is by Robbie H. Harris or Robbie H. Harris. So those are two that I highly, highly recommend. If you are interested in learning more about how to talk to your kids about sex and sexuality in general, because it is part of consent education, mm-hmm. it's, it's the part that I think a lot of parents, particularly survivor parents, have a bit of a trickier time with. There's a really great resource called Sex Positive Families, and I work a lot with the founder of that platform. Her name is Melissa Carnegie. She's amazing. And will be actually... In my membership, she's going to be doing some bonus classes in there to be able Mm -hmm. to help you have the talks about porn and some of the harder topics as your kids get older. And so, yeah, those those are the top three that I would recommend. And then, of course, I have lots of resources available through my own platform, Consent Parenting. Can you talk a little bit more about your platform? Sure. So Consent Parenting, it's an online platform where I have a membership. And I offer resources to parents. Each month we talk about different topics. But I also have a course that comes with the membership. And it's basically Consent 101. So it's the basis of how to talk to your kids about body safety, boundaries, and consent. And it breaks it down into 
what you need to do to be able to get the mind frame in place and the support and all of those things that you need to make sure that your mental wellness is still at the top of you know the pyramid because without that piece it's hard to continue to teach this to kids when you feel triggered and it becomes difficult but the more we know about how important it is for survivor parents specifically we realize it's actually they have a five times higher chance of continuing not that they would abuse their children but that there would be abuse happen again because they haven't been able to educate their kids so it's one of the demographics that unfortunately predators look for anyone who's a single parent anyone who has a gap that needs to be filled so we talk a lot about in the program what grooming is it's not just about empowering your kids but it's also about knowing what predators are looking for and what you need to know to be on the lookout for those red flags. So those are all parts of the program that really help parents to become informed and empowered. Mm, super, super important. And how can people access this information? Is, that's the name of the website, consentparenting.com? Yes. Yeah. Consentparenting.com. I'm also on Instagram, consentparenting. I'm also now on YouTube, which is exciting because mm -hmm. I know not everyone's on Facebook and I do have a Facebook consent parenting group that's free. So anyone who's a survivor and is interested in finding community, that's also available. But not everyone's on Facebook, so I did create a YouTube channel. So all of the lives that I do on Facebook, I then edit and put them on, on YouTube so anyone can watch them. That's amazing. I love the work that you do. And thank you so much for coming here and sharing your wisdom. And for all the parents that are like, who can I go to in terms, you're always my go-to in terms for like resources and teaching them this, because I feel like not only from your own personal experience, but you sounded very gentle approach and very not like, if you don't do this, you know, kind of that, like you're a mom. Yeah. There's a lot of people that might are on that other side, like this is what you need to do. And you kind of do it very shame-free. And I think it's so, so important. So for any yeah, of you that you. are listening, always, you know, go to Rosalia and her programs and her free Facebook group. That's a great way in the YouTube and all that to get the knowledge. And thank you thank so you much. So much. <laughs> yes. Well, everybody. Yeah. It was a great episode. We'll see you soon. We'll talk soon. Thank you so much for listening to the Beyond Resilience Life podcast. I'm so happy to have you here. If you like this episode, please make sure to review it and comment on it and share it with your friends and family. Until next time. <laughs>